Welcome to another episode of Sweet Valley Online. This week, we're discussing Sweet Valley Twins Super Edition Number 4, The Unicorns Go Hawaiian. I'm Wing. I can't believe how much I love this story, despite some really shitty cultural appropriation. And I'm still waiting on werewolves. I'm here with my not-so-evil triplets, Dove and Raven. I'm Raven. This week, I'm Hawaiian Raven, which is just Raven with pineapple. I'm Dove, and I believe that pineapple belongs on pizza. Fight me. I'm not going to fight you. It's delicious on pizza. You're both absolutely wrong. No, I think two to one, you're clearly wrong. You're outvoted. I might be outvoted, but I still have the model victory. <laughs> do, do you now, though? All right. Before I do the book summary that we always do, I will say that, first of all, we are several years away from when we read and recapped this book. And... Uh, Dove at the time had asked me to post a list of things that I rage feared would happen in the book. So I did put it together even before I read the summary. So here's the list from back before I knew anything about this book other than the title and the cover. There will be one, some sort of bullshit Hawaiian princess storyline. Number two, only white people live in Hawaii except for one super special magical native. Three, someone probably Jessica, will be amazeballs at surfing without even trying. Four, someone, also probably Jessica, will be amazeballs at hula, just as good as the locals. Five, people who live in Hawaii will be called Hawaiians indiscriminately from Hawaiians being actual native peoples. Six, everyone will wear cheap tourist Hawaiian shirts and plastic lays. Seven, all the food will be, quote-unquote, Hawaiian simply by adding pineapple to it. Thank you for proving <laughs> that point, Raven. There will be no mac salad, no loco moco, no malasadas, and no L&L. Eight, there will be World War II references plus American imperialism. And nine, fucking Howl is the entire lot of them in a terrible, stereotypical, loud, brash, rich, white, American tourist way. So I had really low expectations going into this uh and well we'll see how well that worked out for me so anyway book summary jessica's super bored in sweet valley but she and mandy miller even though people throughout the book seem to forget that mandy was a part of this went a trip to hawaii by entering a really terrible recipe and a pineapple people yes i know contest it is a potato salad with anchovies, chocolate chips, peppermint extract, raw potatoes, and then everything they could find in the kitchen in 15 minutes, all topped up with green food coloring. They claim that not even Stephen will eat this. 30 seconds later, Stephen comes home, eats it, and loves it, saying it just needs a little more salt. This is such a what the fuck. Anyway, we jump forward to Christmas. I don't even know what Christmas we're on at this point in, in this series, but, you know, more than one. The Wakefields are going on a skiing trip. Jessica doesn't want to deal with any of the stuff there. Cold, thermal underwear, runny noses. I don't blame her. She would rather go to hot cocoa and flirting with cute boys. And then all of this argument is resolved because she and Mandy have won the contest with that really horrific recipe. She can go to Hawaii with two friends. It takes them way too long to settle on Mandy going, considering she was part of the entry. But anyway, Mandy, Jessica, and Mary Wallace, because per Elizabeth, Mary Wallace has never been outside of California. 
you know, despite the fact that the unicorns thought she stole all their money and ran away to Mexico, but whatever. We also learn at this time that Jessica thinks Hawaii is a foreign country. Let's just have a moment of silence for that stupidity. Anyway, long story short, they don't, the Wakefield parrots only allow Jessica to go because Mr. Fowler agrees to take Lila, Ellen, and Janet and be their chaperone. I'm sure he will be an amazing chaperone. This brings us to our subplot A, that Lila is super jealous of her dad's girlfriend, Bambi, and there is a ongoing thread about whether Mr. Fowler and Bambi will end up married by the end of this book. Subplot B, because I decided that there's going to be a subplot B, is that Ellen is snarky and hilarious. So the unicorns have some adventures in Hawaii, where each of them kind of individually meet these two cute boys, Kenji and Lono, who are spending their entire time winding up and trolling the Halles, and it's great. So, for each of their individual things, Lila finds a ring made of a red stone carved with, quote, what looked like the image of a Hawaiian god. It was strange looking, even a little spooky. They tour Heialakala, the world's largest dormant volcano, and Lila and Janet spend most of their time together because of their subplots. Lila and Janet get lost, think the volcano is erupting, and when they flee, they embarrass themselves in front of everyone. When Lila meets Kenji and Lono, they tease her about the cursed ring she found, the curse, uh, the sacred burial ring of King Kamehameha. Kenji sends her to the tomb in the middle of the night, the tomb inside a cave in an ancient forest. Mary. Mary makes friends with a girl, May, who teaches her how to surf. And I have all sorts of flirty surf girl vibes. May eventually takes the unicorns windsurfing and Lila and Jessica are hilariously terrible at it. May kind of exists around uh, Kenji and Lolo. Janet. Kenji tells her that she's the spinning image of Keiko, a beautiful princess, and her return is a miracle. The story he tells her is that a long time ago, Keiko was adored by all her people. She fell in love with a fisherman's son. Her father refused to allow them to marry. So Keiko and the boy ran away together and were never seen again. Even Pele, the volcano goddess, erupted in anger. Legend is that Keiko will return. If she ever tries to leave again, Pele will consume the islands in lava and bury everyone who lives there. Kinji recognizes Janet as Keiko because she's beautiful and she has a tiny beauty mark near her mouth. Just like Keiko and certainly no one else ever. On a tour, Janet tries to take a volcanic rock as a souvenir, and a ranger teases her that taking one is like kidnapping Pele's child and it will bring bad luck. So for the record, that's two different bad luck things we have going on. Jessica. During the tour of the Pineapple People Company, Mr. Hakulani, the vice president, calls her Miss Wakely instead of Miss Wakefield. And then they eat the pineapple upside down cake that Jessica thinks is the winning recipe. So she becomes certain that someone else really won the contest and she's there under a lie. And somehow, Jessica Wakefield feels bad about a lie. Anyway, she decides that the Trip is cursed because she's there due to a lie. Again, she cares about a lie. Jessica and some of the other unicorns start having nightmares. She falls out of a glass bottom boat and thinks she's going to get eaten by piranhas. They're only in three feet of water, so she embarrasses herself too, just like Janet and Lila did. Jessica meets Kenji and Lono. They tease her about how wonderful her cooking must be to win the contest. 
Jessica, surprisingly, exaggerates all her adventures because she's the best, and Kenji tells her that the island gods curse everyone who is dishonest, which makes her feel like she's the one who has cursed the trip. Kenji eventually tells Jessica that she can do a ritual to appease the gods as long as she does it at midnight, by the light of the candle, with her hair and a ponytail on top of her head, and then never a lie again. And her exact quote to this is, Never! She lied. (laughs) Mandy and Mary. They overhear something that make them think George and Bambi are going to get married. Waffle over whether to tell Lila. Finally do. Everything goes boom. And I'm sure you'll be shocked to hear that Bambi and George are, in fact, not getting married. But Bambi is auditioning for a role on Days of Turmoil, the unicorn's favorite soap opera. Lila and Bambi eventually bond. Bambi does get the role... And then we never see Bambi again. All of these subplots collide when one night they realize they all know Kenji and Lono and that the boys have been lying to them. The unicorns plot a plan to force Kenji and Lono to apologize by making the boys think that Pele is angry at them. There's a ridiculous thing where Bambi plays Pele and this part is all terrible. Anyway, eventually they make up with Kenji and Lono. They go to a New Year's Eve luau. Lila buys a new bracelet to make sure that Bambi feels better for how Lila lost the gift one before. Jessica tells the pineapple people the truth. But, you know, she really did win. They just messed up the name. All of the recipes they received were terrible. And so they decided to give the prize to the worst recipe ever. Congratulations. Uh, The delicious pineapple upside down cake was just a company recipe. They were never going to force the terrible one on the winners. Mandy, Mary, and Jessica all make a wish on pennies thrown into the ocean, and they all wish to come back to Hawaii soon. What fun. This book was so weird with the ribbons of story going on. I definitely forgot how many had to come together. All right. So that's basically the unicorns go Hawaiian. Thoughts? Blissful lack of Elizabeth. Even <laughs> less Stephen. Yeah, Stephen came and did his usual, oh, I'm eating this, this is good, and then disappeared for the rest of it, which was marvellous. This book is actually the reason that Ellen became my favourite character. I don't know how early on I bought this, but it was probably the one of the first super editions or super chillers that I purchased. And I suddenly realised that Ellen wasn't, Well, she was dim, but she was utterly charming with it. Like the line when uh, Lila's talking about Bambi for the first time and everyone else is like, who's Bambi? And Ellen's just like, you know, the dear Thumper's friend. And it just opened my eyes to how differently Ellen's world works and what a marvellous place it is. (laughs) So this book has a lot to answer for. Also, based on this book. 11-year-old me desperately wanted to go to Hawaii. Still do. I do recommend going to Hawaii for sure. I will say, like, this is probably my favorite of just the super editions so far because it's such a perfect capture of the unicorns. They are friends, like, really, truly, honestly friends in this book. They're funny and they fight and they snark at each other and Ellen is delightfully dim, but the friendship is front and center, and we don't get a ton of that elsewhere. And I loved having a whole book of it. 
Yeah, the, the unicorns were just absolutely A1 tip-top in this. I, I really love the unicorns, and this is one of the reasons why. Uh, everything they did was pitched perfectly, and having Lila as the sort of center, the central unicorn of the story is, is good, because, of course, obviously Lila is one of the central unicorns, but also it, it meant that we could sort of see her character develop a bit more than usual. And one of the reasons I think that this made such an impression is because there was no Elizabeth, there was more space for the unicorns. This wasn't a strict Sweet Valley Twins book. This was a Sweet Valley Universe book, if you like, which concentrated on the unicorns. And it was so much better for it, I thought. If this was media now, this would be the pilot episode for the unicorn spin-off. Yeah, that's probably fair, yeah. Which, conveniently, we have the Unicorn Club coming up that we'll be recapping <laughs> after we finish Sweet Valley Twins. I don't expect it to be quite this wonderful. Uh, but even with the super specials and the, the plain ones and then the horror ones and stuff, we don't often get one that is so strictly just one set of groups. Often, and I think uh, Dove makes this point in her comments on the recap itself, Often there will be some reason for Team Elizabeth and Team Jessica to all work together. But we usually see some combination of their friends group. And this time with it just being the unicorns, I love that we get more space with them, more space to see all of them. And to see some of their families. Like, one of the surprisingly best parts of this is Lila, Mr. Fowler, and Bambi and their interactions. And of course, we never see Bambi again, but we get a good look at just how complicated the relationship is between Lila and her father. And there's some love there and he's not a terrible father, but as a chaperone, he's shit. And a lot of it looks like it comes from just, he doesn't know how to parent. He's the rich parent who has people to take care of his kid. And he gives her things to show his love, which all the things that we know, but then he advises them like his money advice is to not buy cheap trinkets or he recommends, you know, fancy seafood or just various things where you can tell how out of touch he is with preteens, but that he's also trying. And I really like getting to see the Fowler family dynamic. Yeah, I agree with that. I particularly liked what you meant. I think what he actually recommends at the at the restaurant is escargot. Oh, you know, okay. he, 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 he recommends, <laughs> yeah, on, on, you know, an, uh, an island community. It's probably famous for its, as I think, as you say in the recap, for its fresh fruit and veg and yeah. its amazing seafood. And it's like, what will teens like? Snails. Snails. Snails is what teens are like. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. In fact, what will these particularly uppity teens like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not pitching to Elizabeth and Amy and the, you know, the boring yes ones. Bizarrely, I think I think snails is probably pitching those to the unicorns does have a little ring of truth about it. Well, they're obsessed with friends, yeah. Yeah, well, that is true. And also, I think they'd be like, oh, that is sophisticated in the same way as far too much eyeliner and slinky dresses that are far too old for the 12 and 11 year old 11 year olds are you know what i mean so so it, it is done with a bit of knowledge there i think but it's uh yeah it, well pitched well pitched that the whole family a fair point do we know if this is a grapplegate book because like i know michael grant has tweeted me a picture of the books he and his wife have however he thought there were more and um as far as i'm aware we do not know if it's a grapplegate book 
let me go see if there's a ta- I know we have a tag for grapple gates. So let me see if anyone tagged it with that. Because if it's not. Ah, it is tagged. It is. It's tagged Team Grapplegate, and you tend to be in charge of that, so I'm assuming yeah. that you figured it out. Look at you. Ah. Nice. So, well, yeah, no go- wonder it's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, because the sass is perfect. Like, you know when Janet gets all obsessed with that beauty mark in the corner of her mouth? Yeah. And she's like, look at my face. And she's like traumatizing kids. I love that the first reaction from Lila is a very disinterested, oh, I think you can get those things lasered off. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing it's Team Grapplegate does make sense. Like they are really good at friendship dynamics and dialogue in particular. And the unicorns are fucking funny in this book. Sometimes intentionally in what they're saying, sometimes unintentionally. But oh my God, the humor of this is amazing. Even in some of the more throwaway scenes and the, the, shall we say the less memorable scenes mm-hmm. um, for example like when um the girls are trapped in the bathroom because they're trying to overhear well if brandy is going to be marrying um george and they're hiding in the shower and they're like oh what if she comes in here for a shower <laughs> um so they go oh let's hide the towels so they put the towels in the bin <laughs> while they're hiding in the shower and I think the gentleman goes, hang on, why don't we just put them in the shower with us? <laughs> but, you know, e- even little things like that. And, you know, that's not a particularly Hawaiian scene. That's not, that could have been in any book, you know, if you know what I mean. So it's, it's, it, that's not one of the more memorable scenes, but it still has, you know, proper laugh out loud moments in it, which is definitely to the book credit. Absolutely. Oh, Grapplegate are so good. <laughs> they are so good. Uh, And to go back to the list I opened this with, uh, so I obviously went into this book expecting terrible, terrible things. And I think that's part of why everyone was excited to see me recap it, because everybody expected Wing to go boom. And then I didn't until the very, very end, because this whole having a white woman dress up as Pele thing, that was shit. But everything else, where they're just trolling these tourists and all of this stuff are just pranks and... All of that, the princess and the curses, all of that was fucking funny as shit. It really deconstructed the tropes that you get in a lot of Hawaiian stories where, oh, you know, the white people come in as saviors or, oh, you know, they're great at all these things or, you know, oh, everything's Hawaiian because it has pineapple on it. Again, thanks for illustrating that, Raven. But this didn't really have any of that. It even the the prank with Pele at the end, it's not incredibly terrible it's just not handled well but the idea that all of these things that i was worried about because you see those in stories set in hawaii all those things were used to poke fun at those stories set in hawaii that was fucking amazing i ended up loving this book and i still can't believe that (laughs) well i actually wonder if michael grant lived in hawaii for a bit uh, because if you look at his bio, he moved around a lot when he was a kid. So I wonder if he, like Ostrich, had some experience of living there and Maybe, sort yeah. of became aware of the tropes, um, like firsthand, or the expectation of of you know people with no knowledge. Do you know? Did he move around a lot because he parents in the armed forces or anything? I want to say yes, but. It may not be the case. Okay. You know. If it is, then yeah, it, there's a really good chance he probably did live in Hawaii at some point, uh, depending what branch 
they were tied to because that's a lot of people end up there for a year or two at the very least. But that's a good point. It does seem to be written by someone who is at the very least aware of how these stories normally go, which even if he hadn't ever lived there, I would expect that from team Grapplegate. Like they are generally aware of the good and bad of whatever they're writing, whatever genre they're writing. Yeah. They do seem to be ahead of things, don't they? Yeah, they do seem to be sensitive to that. I mean, one thing I will say, um, I think that it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a fact that maybe that they lived or one of them lived in Hawaii, but everyone is. I mean, everyone lives somewhere, mm. and there are wherever you live, there are cultural stereotypes that you'll always roll your eyes at if you are a native of that place. So, just knowing that from a fact, say, you know, I don't know. Um, me uh, originally from Liverpool in the UK has a lot of cultural stereotypes. So whenever they are portrayed in media, I immediately roll my eyes. And just that knowledge that that happens wherever you're from would lead writers with the sensitivity and the talent and the skill of Grapplegate to come into the book knowing that they didn't want to go down the, the obvious route, no matter where it was set. So... That's a really good point. Yeah, and no way to undermine that. Like, I, My only thought that he may have lived there was based on more the fact that this was written in 92 where you couldn't just Google things. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, research yeah, yeah. was obviously possible before of Google. Course. But, but it was significantly harder, so I did wonder whether perhaps a lived experience made it easier. And... I did think he moved around a lot, but now I'm second-guessing myself because uh, Team Grapplegate are just awesome, so... I'm not entirely sure that anything would need deep research, though. Like, it's it's poking at the stereotypes, which you can tell stereotypes generally just because of how often they show up in specific stories set in a location. Like, you don't have to Google what's a stereotype, uh, you can kind of see at least the ones that, that have been flagged in this. But there's not a ton of actual local flavor to it. There's not mm. references I would have expected uh, from someone who'd lived there. There's not, I guess there's not a ton of food talk anyway, but there's certainly I would have expected at least a couple big things referenced. Malasadas, because we know they all have sweet tooth, stuff like that. So I don't know uh, if the lack, of, like, the lack of easy research is really a telling statement here or not. I am really curious, what are some of those stereotypes of Liverpool? Oh, uh, my God. Calm down, calm down. Yeah, petty criminals, um, stealing hubcaps off cars, always on the dole, trying to, st- you know, trying to screw the system and claim benefits. Um, and th- these are all, these are all the humorous, you know, these are all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, what you call, what you call, um, what you call a scouser in a suit? The accused. You know, it's mm. it's that sort of thing. Um, and it is very eye-rolly, but it's, you know, it literally wherever you're from that has that, oh, kind yeah, of, absolutely. that kind of baggage with it, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, Kent's known for racism. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's very <laughs> true. <laughs> Can't deny so, it, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one's less of a trope and more of a true thing, yeah. <laughs> Posh racists, yes. <laughs> Sorry to any Kent listeners, if we have any. Probably don't. <laughs> Yeah, like you get the same, obviously, here too, you know, Southern USA, it's always very slow, poor, backward people. Uh, People in the Midwest are, 
maybe friendly, but they're, you know, very farm and conservative and various things. So yeah, you're right. Any place you live will have these. And if you give any sort of awareness to that as good writers would, and we know that Grapplegate are good writers, that's something that they could have done. And I do think it's handled surprisingly well within the structure of a Sweet Valley book. Like they, they still have limitations on what they can do. And they worked within that form this time. Yeah, I've just realized I'm coming to this as a British person again. You know, we did this last week. Because yes. I don't, I wouldn't know what what the cliches of Hawaii are because I'm British. I see if what I your think point of Hawaii, was. Okay, I'm okay. just thinking of like waterfalls and, admittedly, lays and you know the hula dancing, but I wouldn't know any more. No, that's fair. Hmm. That's fair. So my assumption that other people wouldn't when they're much closer to Hawaii and it, you know, belongs to the States. <laughs> well, so <laughs> closer is that a, a description that's not super accurate. Hawaii is real far the fuck out there, but uh, no, that's a good point. I'm now picturing a globe going, I, I think I've misplaced Hawaii. So <laughs> you've really freaked me out now. <laughs> isn't, it about, isn't it about a five hour flight from, from, um, from Los Angeles. From Los Angeles, yeah. From, yeah. yeah. So it's a five-hour flight from the, one of the nearest places to it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, you know. Oh, I just meant closer, like, you guys are closer than we are to well, Hawaii. True. Not that it's next door. Um. Well, uh, let's see. And, of course, Wings Googling now. No, um, <laughs> I was just wanted to check... If it was, I could not remember if it's closer to uh, the Asian continent or to North America, but it is closer to North America. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty far there. So for me, it would be like probably a ten hour flight, hmm. uh, which is pretty far to go within the same country, or like a long yeah. flight to be within the same country. But yeah, it is pretty far there. But I see your point. Yeah, I mean, it's um, an eight hour flight for us to go to America. You know, so yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a trek. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's it's well worth a trip. Hawaii is amazing, um, very good. And this book is well worth a read, even if you're not really yeah. reading Sweet Valley books. Otherwise, this one stands alone. I think the Carnival Ghost does too, which is also a Grapplegate book. So they do a good job of We're sensing a theme. Yes, <laughs> a very clear theme. They do a good job of making these. So we've talked about this before. But books like Sweet Valley, series like Sweet Valley, The Maybe Scissors Club, and Goosebumps, they're all meant to be read individually if you have to. And I think that Grapplegate does a good job of actually making it feel both like a part of a series and standing alone as its own book, which not all of the Sweet Valley Twins books do. Like the plot might stand alone on its own for certain definitions of standalone but you miss a lot of nuance to the characters, again, for certain definitions of nuance. Whereas with this one, you can actually see these characters and who they are. In part because I think Raven said they have the space to be these characters, since there's no Elizabeth, no other Wakefields in it, really. Yeah, and the other books, the plot does stand alone in a lot of them, but that's more like it stands alone in the corner because it's been naughty. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> and plot might be a bit of a stretch, but yeah, uh, yeah. whatever the story they're telling stands alone, mostly. Yeah. Well, we're all better because we're currently in the sort of like rubbish end of, of, <laughs> yeah. of 
twins now. Like every time we talk, we just look at our schedule going, we're nearly there. <laughs> we're true. so close to getting out. Though to be fair, even if the, the books uh, currently, which we're in May of 2021 when we're recording this, even if the current books were excellent, we might still be sitting here going, we're almost done because yeah. we've been recapping Sweet Valley Twins for a long time now. We have. <laughs> at some point, we'll be done with it. But to give some idea, uh, the recap of the Unicorns Go Hawaiian went up on the 16th of July, 2018. So there has been a lot of Sweet Valley Twins between then and now. And at least a solid, memorable chunk of it has been kind of terrible. Mm. So we are kind of looking back, as you probably heard if you listened to the last episode of the podcast, we are kind of looking back with a even more nostalgic eye than normal. Well, we can we can safely say that while we, at the time of um, the recap, we thought this was a very good book, even with the rest of the the books now behind us, we are still of that opinion. Yes, you know, we 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 don't need to revise those those uh, those scores. If you like, we're like, yeah, this was a good book. This was this was an <laughs> enjoyable romp from from start to finish. Absolutely. All right. Well, it kind of sounds like we're wrapping up this main discussion. Not you guys have any final I have thing, one to, more say? thing okay. to say? Okay. Yeah. Um, Go for I it. Mention the the actual denouement, the ending, which I think in the recap you particularly took a a, a dim view on. Um, I did. Which is the the the, the Pele thing, and um, I I do agree with that. I do I, I do think that was one of the weaker parts, but I think the reason I have, which I, I think you also you also mentioned. Is not so much the fact that they had a white woman playing Pele. I, I think that that was perfectly in keeping with the actual unicorns and what 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 they would do in order to in order to try and prank back um, mm-hmm. the, the what were the two boys the, the boys called Kenji again? and Lono. Yeah, that's right, Kenji and Lono. The issue that I think you mentioned in the recap on the issue that I agree with wholeheartedly was the fact that Kenji and uh, Lono both fell for it. And I think one thing that you said, if they had just basically saw what the unicorns were doing and saw Brandy dancing around and Bambi. laughed... Bambi, yeah. So what did I call her? You keep calling her Brandy. Brandy, okay. If they just saw um, Bambi dancing around, all made up to look ridiculous, and if they just saw that and laughed laughed uproariously and high-fived the girls for their excellent prank and everyone was friends, that would have been much more in keeping because... The, the boys were presented throughout the book as being genre savvy because they were trolling and hitting all the tropes that the ridiculous um, tourists would would fall for. And that was great. That was fantastic to see that those things being undermined, as you've said. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they themselves were caught by the same sort of thing, it, it, me- it made them fall into the stereotype trap which I think was the the big fail of the end, if you like, for me. That's fair. I think that's a really good point. And yeah, um, I agree. even outside of what happens in it, just the writing turning that much is kind of a shock. Like you have mm. such a you have such a well written book for a Sweet Valley book. The Grapplegate, they are good writers. I'm not uh, trying yeah. to disparage them, but it was especially well written for a Sweet Valley book until that end, where all the fun stuff that we've pointed out does fall flat because uh, it's played straight instead of yeah. kind of teased at it again. So you're right. That's a really good point. There's actually part of me thinks, um, having um, 
had a you know secondhand conversation with um, Michael Grant about this and the information that they get and the storylines that they have that are supplied to them by the publishing house mm-hmm. when they're writing these ghost uh, when the ghost writing these books. It feels to me that maybe that the last point with the the locals being tricked by the unicorns was probably something that was in the original brief. Mm, if you know what I mean, and they sort of subverted it for the the rest of the book to great effect, but it was something that maybe they couldn't depart from because that was their original driving point of the plot, if you like, which was supplied by somebody else. It kind of ties in that idea that I mean, we have the tag Wakefields must win, or we say that often for a reason. So it kind of echoes back to that. Like you can have all this teasing of them, but in the end, the unicorns have to come yeah. out on top so i can yeah. i can see that maybe yeah that's just how the yeah. structure had to be and they played within it as well as they could but at the end you have to do what they want the book to do what the publisher yeah, yeah. wants the book to do yeah and it was a month turnaround so they probably yeah, didn't yeah. have a whole lot of time to negotiate which yeah. uh this is a significantly long book for sweet valley not necessarily just in pages but the amount of plot and various little subplots they pack into that that's really fucking impressive with a month yeah. turnaround yeah uh, do we know it's a month turnaround or is it just a month release schedule and they have say two months to do the no it's a month turnaround uh i asked michael Grant. Cool. he said yes so just flashing that I speak to Michael Grant. I'm so important. I do love your uh, soft bragging there and our inside knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag humble. So blessed. Humble blessed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Oh, I, dove. You know, when I get to the pearly gates, they're going to be like, what is your major contribution to society? I'm like, well, I interviewed Michael Grant about the Sweet Valley Twins book. And they will go, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, all of four people appreciated that. That is a very good uh, thing to have done, a very good pinnacle of life. And I'm sure many people have uh, appreciated it, even though we don't hear from everyone. You walk into the pearly gates and you're, you're worried about what's going to happen. Then you see just through 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 the actual gates, you can see the gods wearing purple. You're like, yes, I'm in here. <laughs> God is Janet Howell. Yes. We well, are Jesus so far. <laughs> no, I'm going to hell. Just nope. Do not want to live under Janet Howe. This reflects very badly on the Christians. (laughs) Oh, well, I've got one more thing to bring up. Okay, cool. How fucking shit is this competition run by the pineapple (laughs) people? Yes, Uh, oh my God. This is a multi-layered comment I would like to bring up. So first of all, they run this competition and that's the most normal thing. However, as Wing points out, which I didn't even notice at the time, but now it annoys me, they didn't say what the prize was. That's a that's a legal requirement, isn't it? You it say? is. And the whole uh, turning of this is the fact that, oh, we don't know what it is. We're going to try to win it anyway. Yeah, that's they would have had to say that. And even if it wasn't a legal requirement, if you're doing a contest where the prize is going to be a trip to fucking Hawaii, you are going to tell people that so people will enter. Yeah. 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 Okay, so that's, that's, that's level one. Level two is that they didn't bother to keep the details of anyone who who won the competition. <laughs> they just assumed that whoever won it would just read the magazine in a timely fashion and know to get in contact. On the one hand, it might be a genius plan, 
so that they can go, oh, well, Jessica didn't get in contact in time. So, well, I thought I'd take the trip to Hawaii with, with, <laughs> with my girlfriend, you know, since it's going spare. So no fair that, point. That, that could be one of the options. However, what's stopping literally anybody from phoning up going, oh, yeah, um, my cousin is Jessica Wakefield, but she's in a coma right now. So can I claim it? Also, there's probably more than one Jessica Wakefield in the United States. No, clearly not. <laughs> I don't mean there's more than one like her. I just mean there's more than one named her. No, I meant that no, any other Jessica Wakefield would have been hunted down by this point. <laughs> <laughs> there can only be one. Yeah. And then somehow Jessica finally gets this trip. And as Wing points out, Mandy should have been a no-brainer. Like that should have it should have gone yeah. without question. So there was only one slot available. But she gets on this trip and they call her Jessica Wakely the whole time proving that nobody does decent paperwork in the Pineapple People offices, which I am down on because I keep scrupulous records. <laughs> and, sure, you're not going to make her eat that poisonous potato salad, but wouldn't it be funny if it was there just going, oh, we love this. This is terrific. Especially if they said, needs more salt. <laughs> yeah. Like, it would be yes. great if they finished like the tour and everyone's like, I am not fucking eating that and then they went no, no no don't worry you know pineapple upside down cake for everyone this is hideous or at least they should have acknowledged it like at the end of the tour and just gone yeah no we would have loved to serve you up that right. hideous potato salad but we can't face the lawsuits hmm. um so yeah basically everything that company did was idiotic and I judge them hard for it. I would like to rebut a few of your points and also bring up a couple more points that I think you've not mentioned, which also boost this. Oh, wow. I thought I was pretty no, I think comprehensive. That, I, I think that the fact that they, taking the legality aside, I think the fact that they didn't, they did make the person who'd won the contest ring in wasn't a case, was, was definitely a marketing strategy because they could then go, oh, well, we don't have to pay to fly people out to Hawaii. I don't think they were going to then take the holiday because they're obviously they they're from Hawaii. The company is based in Hawaii, so they go. But I, I do okay. think I, I still agree with your point. I still think that rather than saying, "Oh well, we can take it," they say, "Phew, we don't have to buy tickets and, and accommodation for these people coming to Hawaii." Fantastic. Why was it three people were invited? What a ridiculous number of people to invite! Surely, isn't it usually four? You Four would think, or two yeah. makes yeah. more sense, well, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? Three just seems particularly random. Now, the, the point that you make about um, they, don't, they don't keep scrupulous records, they were called Wakely. Uh, am I right in thinking it was just the actual boss of the company that called them Wakely? He was the only one who spoke to them. Yes. So, yeah, we aren't sure if it's in the paperwork or if it's just him failing, to be fair. I, uh, the way I read that would be the boss... Oh, it's Wakely. And the rest of the people going, uh, uh, yeah, yes, it is, boss. <laughs> no, one's gonna tell him. no one's <laughs> going to tell the CEO of Pineapple People that he's got the name wrong. And while I think it would have been wonderful to have them faced with their anchovy potato salad with a bit of pineapple in at the end, that unfortunately takes out Jessica's entire plot. If, she, if they'd have told her at the end of the tour, 
yes, we're not making you eat your winning recipe, which is awful, then she wouldn't be, oh my God, I'm, 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 I'm dis- deceiving people. Well, yes, but whenever I want to put something in a story just because the plot needs it, Wing tells me off and makes me make it (laughs) make sense. It's true. I was just going to say... And I'm writing fanfic! uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, I get that it's going to remove that specific point of her story, and I get that this is a comedy of errors overall that they're aiming for, but yeah, it makes absolutely no sense that at the very least... They don't say, this is our, you know, it's apparently what, their number one recipe, company recipe, yeah. that they would be bragging yeah. about that, I think. That's true. The points that I've got that stick up for what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like three days before Christmas? Yes! <laughs> and it's like, oh, right, okay, yes! you've got three days before Christmas, it's the 21st, you've all got to come to Hawaii now. Yes, it's so And it's like you've got, you've got two days to do it, so you'll be here on Christmas Eve or whatever it is. Not one family at that point would be like, yeah, all right. well, you know, you know, would, would allow them so, themselves to be split up. It's it's just so bizarre. To go back to your point too about the the marketing strategy of well, we don't have to pay if mm. no one claims it. Yeah. Except when you're this close to it, they've probably already bought at least the plane tickets, if not yeah. more. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's no way they're wanting to spend the kind of money you would spend on the 21st of December to buy flights that leave within the next five days. Yeah, yeah. Nah, no one's going to want to do that. Also, don't you have to be a certain age to enter into a competition? Yes. Because I yeah. seem to remember, like, back in the day, my mum used to get take a break, and she didn't like those words you know, where you find the words and you put the letters in to make all the words make sense. Crosswords? No, uh, where you're just given a list of words and you have to make them make, uh, you have to make them fit into the grid. Oh, like word jumble? Yeah, that. She hated them, so I always did them. But it was always her name on the entry form because, you know, you had to be 18 to even enter for a £50 gift token for Woolworths. Yeah, yeah, because gambling's illegal and so and so on and whatever. Oh, that could be a British-American thing. Well, no, I mean... When you can do... you gamble in America? When you wake up. 20... <laughs> Go outside, pick up your gun and your bagel and start gambling. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 21. Ah. Oh yeah, that's that's why we love Vegas because there's no fucking kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to go down that legal tangle. Do not go down that aside wing. You do not need to do that. So basically, yes, they probably would need to be at least 18 to enter. Yeah. Sweepstakes is not gambling, but even if they could enter younger. Uh, there's no way they're going to give a prize to a minor without requiring a fucking parent or guardian to go with them Mm, which is a point that i did not even think to make in the recap but has hit me now in talking to you guys oh that's a good point because obviously the the wakefield the elder wakefields demand a guardian yeah george goes with them but the pineapple people don't do they no they're like whatever three kids coming alone three what 12 year olds coming alone to hawaii yes fine we don't get an oblique value imagine it's just some sort of scam to get kids to cut up and put in the pineapple chunks Hold that thought. We're headed to Bleak Valley shortly. The secret ingredient is Wakefields. Uh, sometimes your brain just gets stuck in the bleak side of things. Uh, I called a colleague the other day on Teams and he went, oh, hi, Dove. 
I'm having a Michael Jackson day. And my response was, explain yourself very quick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, no, that's bad. (laughs) And for clarity, he was listening to Bad and Dangerous. All right. For clarity, he was just moonwalking around his house. (laughs) (laughs) Any other amazing points that you guys have to bring up? No, other than it was a very good book and I enjoyed it immensely. Excellent. All right. Bleak Valley time, and we already know that Raven has excellence. We're gonna let him kick us off after we do our little transition. Valley for this one. This I, I don't know. You put me on the spot. So you say, you know, because we never come with anything prepared for this. You literally just had one. Just what repeat is- that at the right place. <laughs> what? So bleak Elizabeth is just sitting in her cupboard, imagining a scam where <laughs> her idealized twin is taken to Hawaii and chopped into bits to make pineapples no i don't think you can make humans into pineapples well they're not saying it's actually pineapple they're just being chunked up to pretend to be pineapples i'm thinking more of the line that uh, it's a very loose when you look at the fact that bleak valley is really elizabeth Mm. imagining all these things but elizabeth hearing about something like child trafficking where kids are disappearing under the uh, auspices of winning a competition or winning some sort of sweepstakes or something and she's like a trip that you won and you don't have to go with your parents or your family freedom completely you know ignoring the part where human trafficking is happening that was my bleak valley thought that's fair that's fair i think it's weird to do this that that sort of thing for elizabeth in this book because obviously We've got Bleak Elizabeth, who's the centre of the Bleak Valley universe. She's not in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she went skiing. She went skiing, yeah. <laughs> True. With her grandparents, who haven't seen her for, like, three books. Yeah. Yeah, Elizabeth's like, oh, our grandparents won't see us. They'll be ever so sad. It's been eight books. Well, Calm down. They, they might be like, I think she was more like, oh, the grandparents won't see us. They might die before we get to see them again. <laughs> Who knows? They're old. Yeah, as if the Robertsons are ever going to stop visiting. They're at least 55. Death at any moment. Yeah, they eat oatmeal now. I think that the bleakness of this just could, I mean, on a very basic and facile level, this could just be Elizabeth, bleak Elizabeth, having read that, got a magazine that was just sort of discarded in the rubbish and was reading that. And there could have been an actual competition in the magazine. And it's out of date and, you know, she's not entered it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But that could be her thinking, oh, wow, wouldn't it be great to win, win, you know, win a trip and, and escape to Hawaii? Because it could, it could be a pineapple company's right. actual win a trip to Hawaii contest that she's seen. And she doesn't know how to cook. So, of course, she'd make something fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the actual fantasy she's had doesn't actually involve her. Because she can't picture herself in an, an enjoyable, fun situation. See, I was going nearly along those lines. I was going with Bleak Elizabeth is so fucking depressed. She thinks that her twin 
is too good for her and just let her twin have fun without her. Yeah. Like she's that upset at the moment. God knows why. Yeah. I mean, maybe her family have gone off to drug mule and she's like, oh, they maybe they went to Hawaii. And, you know, she sent her imaginary twin there and then she got pissed off with them. And she got pissed off with Jessica and all her friends because she didn't go and punished them. But it all came right in the end because, you know, she needs to reset for the next adventure when, you know, she's not completely without them. It is a weird one, this, because obviously there's quite a lot of knowledge of Hawaii Hawaii in there. Mm-hmm. Is there I mean, that's the impression that I or got. Or at least Hawaiian tropes. Yeah, Hawaiian yeah. tropes. So having where she'd pick that up from is a, is a tricky a tricky sell. It is. Even the tropes themselves are hard to pick up, much less mm. how to subvert them. Yeah. Uh, so we've kind of talked, I think, because it has been a while since we were recording. Um, we've kind of talked previously about how Jessica is in some ways not exactly an idealized version of Elizabeth, of Bleak Valley Elizabeth mm. projecting out, but the version of her that can do things that maybe she can't consider doing or even that the projected Elizabeth can't consider doing. So I kind of thought that if you're really trying to escape this idea of self, removing yourself from the story and just letting the, you know, outspoken, vivacious, uh, one who's not afraid to go do whatever she wants, having that one be the the core point of the story, Jessica instead of Elizabeth, even in the Sweet Valley projected versions, would make sense. If Elizabeth really mm-hmm. wants to escape and have this freedom, why not escape all the way into her imagined twin? Mm. That's quite bleak, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Way to go, Wing. <laughs> you just outdid raven i think also speaking of drug muling there dove wasn't that the last book that they were drug mules not this one (laughs) that meth won't get itself across the border just so much drug muling oh all the time drinking and drug muling that are the wakefield parents (laughs) well that was deliciously bleak (laughs) it's weird to see i mean obviously there's a lot of concentration on lila in this book Mm-hmm. And Lila's relationship with her father. I'm not sure how I'd pitch Elizabeth's bleak Elizabeth's view on that, because previously Lila's not. When we've had Lila's book before, how how have we bleaked those? Where we see the cracks in Lila's perfect rich rich girl world. I mean, that's asking a lot. <laughs> I don't think we've had many at this point. I suppose we haven't, but. We're, because we, we, we haven't have. had poor Lyla. Yeah, that's what I was play. just checking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Believe yeah. me, I know. No, yeah, it's it's coming up shortly, but yeah, we haven't had it yet. Yeah. So that's really the big one where we see Lila's yeah. family stuff. Like, there's been hints that she's not always happy, and obviously, well, we as smaller. readers yeah. can look at the fact that her dad's never there, that he buys her stuff as you know, absent parent guilt, but bleak elizabeth wouldn't necessarily have been catching on these things with no 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 and in the actual books themselves in some cases jessica's like oh i'm just going over to lila's you know uh we're planning her christmas party and actual elizabeth is kind of like oh well i'll be helping the the underprivileged and you'll be helping the overprivileged (laughs) and we all as recappers rally going Oh, so hanging out with a girl with no parents at Christmas right. is is worse than you know. Yeah, yeah. 
so it does sort of paint the picture of the Elizabeth character in both variations not having much time for Lila because, yeah. you know, she has a dad, she has money. She's not in a cupboard. Um, yeah. In fact, her, her walk-in closet is bigger than Jessica's room. Yes. yes. So it's hard to fathom a bleak Elizabeth that would treat Lila with any sort of empathy. That's, That's true. Point. Yeah, yeah. Which makes it difficult to bleak valley this one. I mean, this might just be an oddity that doesn't really get one that works. Right. I don't remember. Were the other Grapplegate books hard to bleak valley too? Like, is it the fact that there is more nuance in their stories than and there's actually decent have? characterization and depth? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's easy to bleak valley people, which are one dimensional, because we can yes hook onto that dimension and go right. Yes. Well, this is what bleak Elizabeth thinks of this, but. Exactly. When you're presented with more rounded stories and characters, it's yeah, it's it's trickier. Yeah, that's yeah. that is true. Or at the very least, it's tricky here. And I do think you're yeah. right, though, that the more nuanced and and more interesting the characters are, the le- the less flat they are, the more well rounded. The harder it is to find because Bleak Elizabeth isn't going to have anything to build that sort of characterization off of. So how do you do that? Whereas if it's just a flat one note character. Well, that's you, she could have picked that up in overhearing TV stories or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a simpler version of it could simply be that while her parents are out jug- drug muling, probably from the, the previous trip that we talked about, <laughs> she actually gets to see like a movie um, about kids in Hawaii, and the characters yeah. just better match the unicorns than they do mm, Elizabeth yeah. and her friends, and because she doesn't have the imagination to make it fully work, she just sort of like transposes, oh, well, that girl's quite rich, so that can be Lila, you know? Yeah. Right. And then attributes pretty much exactly what she sees or reads or whatever. I still think your your point of Bleak Elizabeth having a lack of empathy for the Lila as presented in previous books is a very good one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the kind of thing that we could probably return to when we when we do get to Paul Lila and more Lila centric stories. No, oh, yeah, that's a good point. It'd be interesting to see how how that develops when we've had a bit more time to think about it. If you know what I mean. Now now that we've brought it up in this one, right? It's something yeah. that we'll consider. Yeah, <laughs> and hopefully we'll not take another two years to record that one or well, five years not. or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we'll be able to come back to the idea because you're right and more nuanced unicorn in general but especially lila who's kind of come across as poor little rich girl except that elizabeth doesn't see her as the poor little rich girl part she's just you know the overprivileged uh how to reconcile that with bleak elizabeth caring about her in some ways anyway it'll be interesting to see if we can reconcile a bleak elizabeth with uh, in canon elizabeth who neither of them would be empathetic for lila with the books where lila is super sympathetic interesting times ahead yes indeed all right if that leaves us in the very uh, difficult this time bleak valley it's on to our ratings to remind everyone our categories are stupendous good eh, bad and kill it with fire Dove, how do you rate this book? It might be the nostalgia talking. 
but it's probably not. And it's also a really long time since I've done jazz hands, so it's definitely a stupendous... Amazing! For me. I loved this book as a kid. I still love it as an adult. I think valid points have been made about the denouement with Bambi playing Pele, but that's just four pages. And given what we're facing coming forward, like into the series, you have to let four pages go, philosophically. (laughs) (laughs) Unless they're really, really, really offensive, obviously. But um, yeah, overall, I'm being kind to this. I'm giving it stupendous. Nice. Raven? Uh, I'm going to have to mirror what Dove says, to be honest. Um, I would give it a high good. Because those four pages at the end that you do mention, they are a little bit of a head twist from the rest of it. But in the context of the series, this is one of the more memorable and well-executed books. And the fact that, for example, you, Wing, went into this with a a litany of things that you expected. And it not only neatly sidestepped the majority of them, but it also framed the book in in such a way that it it subverted the actual things that you were you were worried about. I think that it's it's a wild run from the beginning to the end. I have come to love the unicorns above all in this series. And this is the unicorn's finest hour to date. So there's no way that you could give it anything less than stupendous. I mean, I certainly could give it less than stupendous <laughs> if I wanted to. Of course, yes. Uh, so I've been sitting here trying to figure out how I would rate it. Um, and I really need to start making that note in my recaps so I can then reference it again when we come here. But I was torn between low stupendous and high good because I really struggle with books that don't stick the landing. Like a book can be excellent and if the ending just fucks off, which happens a lot in Sweet Valley, I have a hard time keeping my high opinion of the rest of the book. Endings are difficult, but they need to be satisfying to the reader. That doesn't mean it has to be a happy ending, but it has to be a satisfying ending. And I don't think that this one is, in large part because of what Raven said earlier about how it then plays something straight that it had been subverting. However... I did go into this book expecting to want to kill it with fire. I had my list. I ranted and raved about just the mere fucking cover of the damn book. And then I ended up loving 90% of it. So yeah, it's going to sweep the board this time. And it's a low for me, but it is still a stupendous. So congratulations, Grapplegate. I'm pretty sure you've gotten another one of the very few three stupendouses out of us. If there's been any, actually. Did the the Carnival Ghost sweep it too? I would have definitely given that stupendous, but oh, I Oh, I did too. I just not... can't remember what Raven did. I think I gave it a high good or a good. God damn it, Raven. No way did this. No. Okay. So if that's true, <laughs> I'm going to have to drop mine to a high good because this sorry, is not better know, than the Carnival Go. The time no, for writing no. is past. <laughs> yep. You've had your moment. <laughs> nope. I can still drop it. Everything is editable. <laughs> this book is not better than the Carnival Ghost. So if 
It being three stupendouses bumps it above that. I'm dropping mine. I will drop it all the way to kill it with fire if I have to. (laughs) I will say within the ranking, just looking at ranking each individual book or in um, categorizing each individual book, this is a low stupendous for me. I won't actually take that back. I do think that the Carnival Ghost outstrips every other Sweet Valley Twins book. There's no catching. Any Sweet Valley book is not going to catch that. Because I honestly think it's one of the better stories of any sort of young adult ghost story I've read. So it is pretty high up there. But yes, you're right. Within this book itself, this is a stupendous across the board. Congratulations, Team Grapplegate. (laughs) All right. So any more thoughts on our ranking? (laughs) No, I think we've covered all the bases there. All right. Yeah, and then some. This possibly the longest our ranking conversation's ever gone on to yeah. so excellent work everyone go visit hawaii but be very very polite bye 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 you've been listening to the sweet valley online podcast for sweet valley twins special edition number four the unicorns go hawaiian recorded on the 2nd of may 2021 next time we'll be talking about sweet valley twins number 55 brooke and her rock star mom until then May you be trolled about cursed rings and volcano rocks. You can access all our past recaps and podcast episodes at sweetvalley.online, a member of the nostalgicbookshelf.com network. Check us out on facebook.com slash sweetvalleyonline. Our music is supplied by Stuart Taylor. He can be contacted at taylorstuart602 at gmail.com for all your own musical needs. We can be found on Twitter under sweetvalley underscore for dove devil's elbow pod for wing and bookshelf underscore raven for you know raven we'd love it if you subscribe rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts thanks for listening